Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Necromaniacs Horror Podcast. And of course, that means it's Necro Thursday. How's it going, Mike? It is going well. What's up, everybody? Uh, welcome back. As Mike said, it is Necro Thursday. You're listening to Necromaniacs Podcast, the greatest horror podcast in the world. Uh, how you doing, Mr. Hill? How you feeling? Dude, this week's been rough, man. I got to tell you, that's... Um... Tomorrow, we're actually recording this on a Thursday, just to let you guys know. So we're recording this on Necro Thursday. So that's Mm -hmm. that's interesting. Yes. Tomorrow is is technically my last day at my job, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, you know how like sometimes like you, you, um, you know, you you leave, you leave your job and like the last few days are kind of just like you coast a little bit, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Not, not, not in this, not in my case. They're, they're been, <laughs> oh, I've been working saying, harder man. than ever over the last couple of days, dude. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, man. I think my boss is like pissed at me for leaving and he's like, uh, just, just like grinded, torturing me. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. You know, usually for most people, the last few days of a job are not super intense, I would say. So I might say, yeah, he might be mad at you. Yeah, unfortunately, like, uh, all these meetings, and he was going to send you know, tomorrow's my, tomorrow's my last day. But I it it works out where I'm literally just going into the city to drop off my computer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I probably do like a couple hours worth of work in the morning, mm-hmm. but um, go in there, drop off my computer. They give me a they give me a phone, so I got to bring that back, mm-hmm. and then uh, and I'm just going to peace out, and call it a day, man. And then the, the funny thing is, like, there's literally going to be no one besides the it guys in our office on Fridays, like no one ever comes in on Friday. So it's going to be myself by myself in the office, basically. And then just, I'm going to leave like unceremoniously exit the the building, you know, at noon or something like that. It's weird that they're pulling you into meetings. Like you're not going to be there. Like that's wild. Hmm. Dude. I mean, yeah, I know today I had a meeting this afternoon and uh, it's about, you know, agreeing to do all this stuff but i'm just like yeah i'm not gonna be here tomorrow <laughs> like, it's like punishment it's like a you know punishment for leaving meeting that's probably what oh, it is and, and this also is a testament to how pissed off my boss is it's like no no goodbye lunch man you know wow mm. yeah I didn't, even t- I didn't even get taken out for lunch man mm. no uh no after work drinks for mike no. nope mm. hell no man um, yeah. I, I'm I'm big on like a lunch, not not mm-hmm. so much a hang around after work kind of guy, really. You know what I mean? Yeah, the the goodbye lunch is better because well, it's on work's time. That's the best exactly. part. Right? I mean, yeah. It, uh, yeah, you know, I agree with I you. Usually, on that one. I usually got stuff to do right right. I go usually I go right from work to something else, so I don't want to mm-hmm. fuck around. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. Well, on to greener pastures, Mike. You know, you got the tour coming up. And then right. after the tour, you, you start a new job. That's right. That's right. And uh, a new old job. But uh, it's all good. So I'm looking forward to it. And hey, for all intents and purposes, today was my last day. Tomorrow, just a <laughs> wake up and a drop off. And that's it for me. All right. You can enjoy the rest of your Friday. That's nice. That's right. Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, listeners, if you've been uh, paying attention to the last few episodes, we have been uh, very Dario Argento-centric and uh, 
tonight, uh, before we do the plugs and uh, a phone call, uh, you know, letting you know we're going to be covering the excellent new Dario Argento documentary titled Dario Argento Panico from director Simone Scafidi, which is exclusively on Shutter. Uh, it basically came to the service, I believe, February 2nd, Mike. So brand spanking new for the new year. Right. And you know what, man? It's like what I have to say, Shudder is still the home of horror. I know that oh, there's yeah. been like, uh, it looks like things are on the upswing again for them. And it looks yeah. like, uh, you know, they're going to last. And I know that there's a little bit of uh, their future might have been in question for a while. Mm -hmm. And there's some mm -hmm. pretenders to the, the throne out there. Mm -hmm. But I got to say that the home of horror is still Shudder, in my opinion. Absolutely. And then this weekend, they got a new Joe Bob. I mean, I don't think they're going anywhere. I think uh, rumors of their demise in the middle of last year were false. So, uh, yeah, man, they, they got some good stuff. They've got some good new movies coming to the service that look really cool, you know. And um, there's a few things, new newish things that I want to check out, too, that may make its way to the Necromaniacs podcast. So, yeah, tip in the hat to Shutter. It's about six, seven bucks a month, listeners. If you don't have it, you should probably get it. No? <clears throat> oh, yeah. If you're a horror fan and you don't have Shutter, you're blowing it. Yep. Straight up. <laughs> but uh, we're going to get to the plugs, folks. Uh, we've got a cabal, a crew, a gang a horseman of fellow podcasters that we like to support. Right, Mike? That's correct. And uh, kicking the week off, uh, every other Monday, we've got Horror Wolf 666 brought to you by Brandon Legion. And it's been confirmed that Brandon and I will hang out on this upcoming tour when I'm Ooh. playing. I'm not even going to say close to where he lives, but he's coming out to one of the shows. So I'm stoked. Oh, wow, that's great. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing him again. Um, we uh, we hung out, uh, you know, a while back uh, in person uh, when mm. we were down there with Cloak. And uh, it was just really cool to, you know, hang. And his lovely wife is great, too. And then she's going to accompany him. And it's uh, it's going to really looking forward to it. It's going to be a highlight for me. Awesome. Yeah, I remember when you guys met on the Cloak tour. He very solid guy and yeah make sure you're supporting and hitting the subscribe button on the hard wolf 666 podcast uh coming to you every tuesday why it is the man the myth the legend himself mr jackie smith and the into the necrosphere podcast for all of your extreme metal needs uh on wednesday we have everything went black hosted by none other than mike hill himself coming at you every wednesday right mike Right about now, we're doing a little best of uh, while I'm out on the road. So, uh, mm -hmm. so just yeah. hang in there for some new episodes. Um, you know, it's only some of the stuff you haven't heard if you're uh, just only listening to the free uh, stream. If you're mm -hmm. a Patreon subscriber, you you would have heard these unless you're new, and you know that in that case, it might be new to you. Exactly. Uh, on Thursday, kids, while you're listening to it right now, it's the Necromaniacs podcast. Hit that subscribe button, tell a friend, tell an enemy. Keep that support coming in. Send us those Instagram messages. We love it. Uh, on Friday, we have none other than John Draper's very own Spitball Media. Uh, they cover lots of different 
things, mainly film, television, entertainment news. Uh, make sure you check that out. Saturday, take a break. But on Sunday, Mike, who do we got? On Sunday, we have Carl Hikara's Soul Knocks. Carl also posts new episodes on Thursday. So he's uh, hitting you guys twice a week with uh, content. And um, yeah, if you're into darkness, the macabre, anything weird and uh, uncanny, definitely check out his show. He's got a bunch of cool interviews on there, uh, deep dives into certain subjects. And also, Carl and I are collaborating on a show called Darkness Weaves. It comes out once a month. We mm -hmm. alternate which uh, podcast hosts it. And it's a dive into the work of Carl Edward Wagner. And um, yeah. right now we're doing the Kane short stories. We're going to be hitting the whole group of that. And uh, Wagner's one of these uh, authors out there who he, he's done heroic fantasy, dark fantasy. He's done weird fiction. He's done horror. And um, he's has influenced uh, to a certain extent, Nick Pizzolatto, the creator of uh, true detective. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, if you're a true detective fan and uh, you like the first season, which I think most people do, Definitely check out Wagner. Check out his short story, Sticks, which is like pretty much a you can see the influence on that show through that short story. So Carl and I have been getting through all this stuff. Excellent. Uh, and then on Sunday, we have the rather elusive, mysterious Cheyenne of Trivax with his Iblis Manifestations podcast. Right, Mike? That's right. And, uh, you know, he's just operating on his own uh, timetable. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he's like Colonel Kurtz, you know, from Apocalypse Now. Right. He just got his own modus operandi. That's right. So, yeah, make sure you hit the subscribe button on his podcast as well. And there you have it. The horseman of the podcasting apocalypse. Um, let's see, Mike. Do we have a phone call? We got one phone call. This time around, and uh, you know we've been we've been banging out these episodes, so there's the the uh, timing is a little odd. You know, like one episode we didn't have any callers, and then we had two, and then now we got one. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it, you know we we regularly get everyone calling in, and we really love hearing from everybody. So before I go into who we, who it is, uh, I'm gonna let you guys know that the Necrophone is nine zero eight nine one three zero seven eight two nine zero eight nine one three zero seven eight two and now uh, we got mike from pennsylvania calling in that's, that's uh right. a regular and we always love hearing from mike yo necro hoods it's mike from telford it's monday afternoon so i probably missed this week's episode i'm sure you guys taped it already but uh had kind of a busy weekend so <clears throat> just wanted to uh highlight a couple of things we watched this week uh we watched a movie last night called killer's delight also known as the sport killer uh, I think it was, uh, like the first time anybody had kind of made a movie based on an actual serial killer case it's from 78. So I could be wrong about that, but it seems to be like a Ted Bundy story, but, uh, it was more like a cop show episode or something from the seventies. I'm not sorry. I watched it. It's interesting. There's some scary, like, or shocking violence in it, but just a couple of scenes. But uh, John Carlin is in it from Daughters of Darkness, so it was cool to see him. He plays the killer, and it's a pretty good performance of him being kind of a psycho. But uh, the other movie we watched 
is from the early 70s. It's an Italian movie called The Frightened Woman. It's also known as The Laughing Woman. And uh, I don't really know how to describe that. Uh, the set pieces are just crazy. They're like danger, diabolique, fucking level craziness. But it's not a comic book movie. It kind of reminded me of The Collector, the Terrence Stamp movie, The Collector from the uh, early 70s. Except this has a this Italian movie has a twist at the end that I did not see coming, and it's actually a really good script that way that it makes sense in the end. Where some of these Italian movies just kind of lose you and throw in the red herrings, this was actually a good complete story. So check them out if you haven't seen them. And uh, the episode last week was great. We watched that movie. <clears throat> my my girlfriend had actually recommended that I that I call you about that the Julia Roberts movie. I can't remember what it was called, but I I didn't like it at all. But I'm kind of stuck in old man mode with these newer things, but uh, the episode made me kind of reconsider it, so I might watch it again. But uh, anyway, hope you guys had a good week. Look forward to this Thursday, and uh, later. I'll talk to you soon. Later, guys. No, I got to say, I have not heard um, of any of these films mm. that, that Mike has uh, brought up. Have you Are you familiar with any of these? No, and you know what? That is what I like so much about Mike. Mike is super... I think Mike's around my age, maybe 50, 51. He's super in tune with the 60s and 70s oddity stuff that I, is, is so fucking cool. And Mike, I'm very happy to hear that your fighting days are over. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I have a funny feeling you're a man who could handle himself nonetheless. That's, uh, But it is good, though. Sometimes you have to ride off into the sunset, Mike Hill. Don't, don't you agree? Oh, I agree. Completely. Yeah. You know what, man? I think that maybe we should do like just some of these. Like, I'm so interested in, in checking these these uh, recommendations out. Maybe we need to uh, address some of these, like in upcoming episodes. Yes, there's definitely one or two that we should outright cover and devote an episode to. So, uh, thank you so much, our good friend. And uh, you know, once again, uh, stoked that he checked out. Um, uh, leave the world behind that was the title of the movie with julia roberts that he was referring to interesting mm -hmm. movie interesting very interesting film yeah it's a movie i've thought about after the fact um yeah. and it's a movie that had that that word of mouth from certain sectors that i would be go into it and maybe not like it but i went into it and i didn't prejudge it at all and i liked it and i i liked the ending a lot of people bitched about the ending I liked the ending, actually. Um, you know, I would have actually liked to have seen a little more of the society deterioration, so to speak, you know, like yeah. the, the fucked upness. But he they only gave you a little bit of that, you know. But what I, I liked and I thought was a cool ending, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, was that the young girl got to see her Friends episode, her final episode of the Friends series. And I don't know. I thought something about that was kind of cool. Like, and honestly, she was the only person in the movie that, like, you you kind of didn't think was like a, either annoying or like, you know what I'm saying? Like, she had no bad qualities. She's just a young girl, you know, in the midst of the end of the world, and she just wanted to see how Friends ended. And it was just there was something about that that I got a kick out of, and she got her wish. And you know what? The whole family and everybody might have died the next day, but at least the poor girl got to see what she wanted to see. So that's why I like the ending. <laughs> totally, dude. I um, 
the more I think about that film, the more I like it. Like, I know I might have had a couple of trepidations about it, but as time goes on and I think about it and I kind of unravel that story, I think it's really cool. I actually think, and I'm not sure if Jeff and I discussed this or not, but I, I think it would have been better served as a miniseries, like maybe four episodes or three episodes yeah, or something. Okay. Okay. Like, I did want to know more about like the the dastardly stuff like you know what i'm saying like i they they really just kind of scratched this the surface you know with with how all this was unraveling right but i tell you i it, it, i wasn't bored i was invested i was well, i'm not i'm not gonna use the word scared but i was very like what the fuck's gonna happen next like you know what i'm saying like there was a lot of that like i don't know how this movie's gonna end i don't know how this is gonna go like you know uh, is it really the end of the world? Is it not the end of the world? Like, I, I thought that that, like, the director and the script did a good job of keeping the viewer, or at least this viewer, invested. Yeah, definitely, man. And and I um, I think that if it's if it the world is going to end, it would be something like what was being portrayed in mm. in the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, very possibly. Like aside from getting hit with like a comet or something like that, I mean, if there was going to be, um, you know, some kind of war event, I think this is how it would go down, honestly. Yeah, like I, in my head, I'd like to think that everyone, you know, made it back to that house and they kind of lived for as long as they could in there and then they all died. That, that's like my ending, you know? Um, but who knows? Maybe they didn't all make it back to the house, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it wasn't a perfect film, but it definitely was good. You already yeah, yeah, yeah. made me think. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, what do you call it? Um, wanted to ask you, a uh, musical moment of the episode, Mr. Hill. Yeah. Did you listen to the Kerry King track? Yeah, I did. And and uh, the vocals, that's... um. Who the hell's singing in the in, Mark, in his? Mark uh, Oswega from Death Angel. Mark from Death Angel. All right, yeah, I knew I recognized the voice, and um, um, it's good. I, I'm interested. I only heard the one track, you know, but I want to hear more. Right. Uh, so far, Idle Hands, the single, is the only track available to the general public. The album comes out, I believe, mid May. Okay. Um, it's on that new record label started by, I believe, guys who started Roadrunner back in the day. And I think oh, yeah. Deicide is also on this label, something Phoenix, whatever, records. But I believe it is the same record label that uh, Deicide record is going to be on. Um, yeah, I mean, he's got some fucking good dudes in the band, you know, Bostoff, fucking, you know, Mark from De like Death Angel was a band that I only really liked that third record act three quite a bit um i i didn't really find them until around 90 actually like you know um and i never really fucked with the newer stuff that's been on nuclear blast that i hear is actually really good some of those records um a lot of people are saying that his voice kind of just sounds like a younger tamaraya and i can definitely hear that but he's got his own shit going on too um I'm very curious about the rest of the record. I mean, it, it is definitely reminiscent of what they were doing. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, you know, something that's not too much of a departure. Right. No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, he said a long time ago that it's going to sound like Slayer. 
And, you know, that's what he does, <laughs> which is not a surprise. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, dude, I'm kind of a Slayer fanboy of sorts. And well, no, not of sorts. I am. So I want the record to be good. And um, shit, if, if they do a show in New York, I'll go see it. I know they're on that Lamb of God. Uh, I forget who else that they're going out with. I don't know if it's Pantera. I don't know. They're on tour that is actually not hitting New York City right now, but I'm sure they will play New York City. Kerry King actually lives in New York City now. So, uh, you know, if they play, I'll go see him. Yeah, me, I'll be there too, man, for sure. Definitely. Fuck yeah. But uh, yeah, so the Necromaniac's word on the Idle Hands track is that we both like the song. Um, you know, seeing some people okay about it loving it liking it not liking it but uh mike and i give it the thumbs up so far so yeah fucking Dude, I, I even have good things to say about Di diabolos and musica too you know what i mean yes i i i need to hunker down again with it <laughs> i think it's a record that only that is unfairly judged by the very lackluster song stain of mind which i really hate um but the rest of it has some some quality fucking Slayer songs on it. And uh, yes, yeah, ripe for a re-listen, Diabolus and Musica. I think that uh, the rec, yeah, definitely there's some rippers on there. And I think um, Slayer was a little bit ahead of the curve with the seven-string guitars on that record, because now almost every death metal band is playing seven-string guitars. Yeah, and that was like 98, I think, 98, 99, uh, that yeah. album. Um you know, it's a weird time for metal. Like, new metal was, like, on fire. And, like, you know, uh, if you were listening to, like, death metal and black metal back then, which, uh, you know, Mike and I were, um, you know, what was really on top was this really shitty, like, corn and saliva, Static X. Like, there was just really bad bands under the metal blanket that were making a lot of money and uh, playing in front of a lot of people and Slayer, you know, actually I think they took out system of a down back then who are actually, yeah. look, if you're going to, if you're going to be a band like that, being system of a down is really not that bad. Um, Cause I actually think they also have some good songs, but weird time for metal 98, 99, you know, on that tour, the Diabolos and music tour, it was uh i remember it being system of the down and clutch actually mm. yeah yeah like i i don't know i'm so weird about clutch like i like some of the very early stuff and i i've often referred to them as foghorn leghorn metal i just i don't know i can't get into a lot of it his voice oh, man i'm straight up not into clutch at all so i'm, I'm just oh, gonna yeah. make the statement right now you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah he sounds like the cartoon character foghorn leghorn i just i can't do it um yeah, so there was a, a metal moment of the Necromaniacs episode. Um, tonight, as I said earlier, we're going to be discussing the brand spanking new documentary about the man himself, Dario Argento, titled Dario Argento Panico, which is, of course, Italian for the word panic, Michael. Yeah, yeah, I picked up on that. Um, <laughs> it's kind yeah. of yeah, and as as we had mentioned earlier, uh, Simone Scafidi uh, directed it, and um, mm -hmm. he also brought us uh, Fulci for Fake, the kind yeah. of docu docu drama of uh, Lucio Fulci, which uh, mm -hmm. was an excellent excellent thing. And uh, 
looking forward to uh i mean this seems to be his thing you know mm-hmm. mm, yes uh i want to see what he does next um it would be wild if he if he chose you know sergio martino next i mean which you know which would only play to i think a certain subsect of the horror fan base but might do very well uh, in europe and italy um i could see why shutter wanted this as an exclusive i mean dario arguably is as popular as ever and uh, as i've said before on the podcast i think there is a young person finding dario argento every day much like there is a young person finding the misfits every day you know mike You know, also, we, we've been sort of going with the theme that these types of movies are like, uh, there's there's like, you have to be careful what, where your entry point is, too. You mm, know? Yes. Yeah. But Would if you, you stick it out, you'll find some great things there. You think like a documentary about a director is a good starting point or no? You know what? I was thinking about that, Mike, when I was watching the movie, because like, um, I'm thinking like, it might be a good it might be interesting for someone just getting into this type of stuff to like watch it first because mm-hmm. it kind of there's there's really good clips from all the films and you might something might catch your eye or interest and then you know the title of the movie and then you go and check mm-hmm. it out and you're like oh this is like like um you know all of his films especially like you think about Inferno and Suspiria they look different than say Deep Red or yeah. uh, Tenebrae or you know or the earlier Giallos Giallis that he Gialli that he did and yeah, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. and uh you might find yourself drawn to one era over the other and now you know what the starting points are yeah absolutely um first fun fact of the episode is that this is the third dario argento documentary uh the very first one was uh dario argento's world of horror directed by our pal michele suavi right michael also in this in this one yes uh yeah he he's in this a, a lot as one of the talking heads so to speak uh then there was a second one from 2001 called dario argento and i for horror uh i own it i enjoy that as well and then we have this third one uh dario argento panico um yeah a, a part of me thinks they kind of are good to watch early on or maybe after say say you've only watched like two of the big guns you've watched just suspiria and maybe just deep red and you immediately i just want to know more about this director i would say absolutely watch all three or one or two of these documentaries i think you know the reason why i like panico is that it it catches dario at like um you know, a, a really interesting part of his life too, because you know they have Gaspar Noé on as well, who his film Vortex uh, mm-hmm. stars Dario Argento, yeah, as a aging gentleman. You know, and uh, Dario speaks a little bit about entering like this sort of twilight era of his life. You know, so mm. this is like a very poignant moment to catch uh, him in, and this documentary captures those moments, and I think that's what's kind of cool about it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Listeners, in my opinion, this is the best documentary of the three out there. Um, This paints a a really interesting picture, and it shows a lot of unseen footage uh, from uh, many of his, uh, you know, catalog of films that I don't think anybody has seen before, which is really great. And he talks about his personal life. We get to meet his first wife that I feel like, you know, people 
forget about because you know Dario Nicolodi is really what people uh, who people associated him with. Uh, but he, you know, but he had a uh, first wife with he had uh, whom he had uh, Fiore Argento with his first daughter, who we talked about uh, in Phenomena as he kills her on screen. And sure enough, they ask her about that and they ask him about that in this documentary, which I thought was cool, you know. And uh, yeah, I thought that was a really interesting scene. Um, I'd like to definitely point out, you know, who else is in this documentary, uh, of course. Uh, Asia, his daughter, figures heavy in it. Uh, like I said, Fiore, his other daughter, is also in it. Uh, his buddies, Lamberto Bava, Luigi Cosi, uh, Franco Farini, and Michele Suavi are all in this. Uh, and then we have some modern-day directors that are certainly uh, acolytes and huge fans of his, uh, they being Guillermo del Toro, Nicholas Winding Refn, and as Mike just said, Gaspar Noe. And personally, I think they found the, the three best modern era guys to talk about him. Mike, what do you think? Uh, definitely, you know, and um, I mean, I, I'm a, I love uh, you know Del Toro. Uh, Refn, Refn is like uh, I like most of his stuff, and Gaspar, I'm a huge fan of. I love everything I've seen yeah. by Gaspar. No, um, it, it's funny. Uh, <laughs> the one other person who I thought they might have dragged in here would have been Tim Burton, actually. And Tim Burton is referenced in the movie, which is it's in a very odd scene when he's talked about by, uh, I, I believe, Franco Farini. And, um, you know, I watch the scene. You'll, you'll probably get a chuckle out of it. The way poor Tim Burton is described by this uh, gentleman was very odd. But, uh, yeah, I think Tim definitely was a fan of, of both Bava and Argento. Uh, another great moment in this is when, uh, Lamberto Bava, of course, the, the great Mario Bava's son, uh, one of Dario's boys, uh, they talked about how in 1980, when they were filming Inferno in New York City, they, you know, uh, one night they went to a theater in Manhattan and they went to go see Alien together, Mike. How cool is that? Excellent. That was really cool. It's, it's I always love when you see, like, people that you consider to be icons, like, doing kind of everyday stuff. You hear stories mm. about them going to movies or whatever. You know what I mean? I always find that entertaining. Just imagine, like, you were... Say you were a horror guy in 1980 going to see Alien <laughs> in the theater, and you, you didn't even know that, like, Lamberto Bava and, and Dario are watching it with you. That's pretty fucking, you know, trippy, you know? Yeah. Damn. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course, Inferno was, was partially shot in new york city as as some diehards will know um another really cool thing about this movie is that i feel like it touched on all the the, the major films that it needed to touch on and then i noticed that it did not touch on the movies that it didn't need to touch on uh dracula 3d mother of tears and giallo are not even uh uttered in this film did you notice that I was wondering if they were going to go into the later, the later films, you know, like even mm. Dark Glasses, you know, which we enjoyed Dark Glasses, yes. you know, but well, no, that's they, like a... they do mention Dark Glasses, though. It is at least mentioned and it is yeah. shown on the screen. Uh, but there was no mention at all of the movies that I just mentioned. But I, I found that interesting. Uh, I also found it very interesting how they pretty much hit the points on trauma that we hit the other week. Uh, folks, if you did not catch our trauma episode, please do about how kind of difficult and personal that movie was to make, knowing 
that it was basically about uh, his other daughter who was suffering from, you know, anorexia, you know, unbeknownst to her. And, you know, uh, Ozzy seemed like that was a, like a hard movie to make for her. Also, the point was brought up. I forgot which which one of the guys brought it up about how that was like kind of the end of um, the art in, in his mm, films. Like yeah. that was like his like American film, which is all about just like, you know, you know, suffering and, you know, it, there was no, none of the arts, artfulness that you saw in like Suspiria and Inferno in yeah, present and yeah. trauma and films after that. And of course, even opera, like is opera, okay, opera is like 87. And then uh, The Two Evil Eyes is 90, Trauma's filming in like 92, comes out in 93. So I would say he, he was right. I would almost say opera is the last, uh, quote, Italian art one. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's the last one that probably the people of Italy really identified with. I think, you know, although I have completely uh, done a, you know, redux mentally of trauma and I enjoy it much more now than I did years ago, I would probably figure that to a lot of the European fans or the Italian fans that it was like a ugh, movie, you know? Probably. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. But yeah, that was an interesting point. Uh, I think that might have been Farini as well, who actually said that. Um, you know, uh, everybody had really good things to say. I actually thought Guillermo del Toro, like, he, he seemed to be a, quite the fan, I felt, or quite the knowledgeable Argento person. Uh, he, he said some really cool stuff, no? Yeah, he's one of those guys. He's like, um, like you can tell what, what a huge fan he is. And I love when he pops up in... in um you know, like uh, documentaries or you hear him interviewed on things about stuff, you know, and mm. it's just really cool to see that he has that enthusiasm about Dario Argento. And uh, mm. yeah, I, I'm a, I'm, I like, I like uh, uh, Del Toro as, as a guy too. As yeah, well as me as, too, man. You know. Me too. I'd love to fucking meet him. Uh, I have a funny feeling he has a, a bonkers, uh, you know, home video collection, something as does Gaspar No and Refn actually. <laughs> um died yeah. about Guillermo del Toro is uh have you seen the tours of the bleak house which is his um like a house where he does some of his office uh writing and stuff like that production work but also is the home of his entire library and curios collection oh no mm. oh yeah in LA there's like a house that he owns that's it's like a museum slash library slash workspace and nice. you, you can look it up on on youtube there's um it's called uh the bleak house guillermo del toro's okay. bleak house yeah i'll check it out i kind of would like to, i'd like to see him do like i don't know something hard like harder you know like but that may not be his style but it's just something i want to see like you know <laughs> like i want to see him oh. do something harder slash simple but like with his little flair i don't know can't describe it but I, I know what i'd like to see him do but i'm having a hard time putting into words <laughs> yeah, like, like an edgier like horror film you know mm. definitely uh i'd like to see that but what i really would like to see him do and and I, it's is a um, this is why i think i'm so bummed out that james wan is doing um yeah because mm. in my estimation Aside from uh, Richard Stanley, who mm -hmm. unfortunately will probably never make any more films, at least in the you know like Hollywood. Oh, yes. Um, 
Del Toro is the the heir to the throne, man. Like he's he's the guy, in my opinion, who can bring uh, Lovecraft and any kind of cosmic horror to the screen effectively. Hmm. A hundred percent agree. And uh, hey, if if the James Wan thing doesn't work out, Guillermo del Toro is not that old guy. Maybe he gets his crack at some point, but it should have happened already. Let's be honest. But who knows? We'll we'll see what James Wan can do with H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, you know, we we could do a whole episode ranting about that decision, but uh, we will we will not. <laughs> We had uh, Claudio um, Simonetti too have a, has an appearance on this. Yeah, he does. You know what? I got to tell you, man. We've we we covered Deep Red on the show a couple of years back. Every time, like uh, the tra- like footage or the trailer or the music of that movie comes up, man, I get the fucking chills, Michael. I love that Definitely. fucking movie. Yes. Oh yeah. And they had they had that nice uh, cut. A clip of that creepy ass puppet, man. Mm, yes, and like, that yes. gets me every time too. And there, there's a lot of like trailer footage of that movie and like promo footage of that movie that's really effective. Um, and they showed some of that in this movie. And uh, yeah, I never tire of deep red lore. <laughs> you know, uh, like the, the trait, like the, the, the close up of the eye putting on the makeup. And just the fucking goblin music is just some of the greatest music to a movie, not just a horror movie, to a movie just ever, in my opinion. So effective, you know? Yeah, that was another one of my... uh, I think that was... I'm going to say 90% certain that was my first Argento film, was Deep Mm. Red. And the reason why is uh, it was back in the video search of Miami days uh, Mm -hmm. where I would blindly order films vhs copies of of uh, laser discs and uh mm-hmm. the title because it was known as deep red hatchet murders too that's right in america yeah mm-hmm. yeah so that was like the title hooked me in i'm like oh this is gonna be like some you know really extreme stuff and i, I heard about this italian guy dario argento and like so yeah that was that was i i got that and like one or two other because like they were cheap they're they're dubs they're just vhs yeah. tapes you know and uh and it was like yeah, it was cool. It was interesting. I'd never seen anything like that before. And um, just the style and everything, you know, kind of grabbed me, you know. Absolutely. Um, something else I noticed, I think like the reverence of his fellow, uh, you know, Italian directors and friends in this, like Bava and Cozy uh, and Michele Suave, of course, who, you know, really helped, like Dario helped him launch his fucking career, you know, and the respect and reverence really kind of shone through in this, I thought. And I thought that was really nice. Well, Kelly Suave made one of my all time favorite movies, man. Like he made, uh, De La Morte, De La More. And, <laughs> uh, also he did the church, you know, which is another great film too. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Demons, produced that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, totally instrumental in his career and you, you, you could, you could see the love there. You know what I'm saying? Um, Interesting. Uh, Ozzy, Ozzy is looking a little different these days. I thought, Mike. Uh, I still love her. She's still my girl. Um, she, she, she looks like a woman who's who's been through a lot, and I, you know, hell, she has been through a lot in her life. You know, tragedies and whatnot. Um, some interesting things there. Uh, I learned for the first time. I never knew that uh, she was supposed to be the female lead in the card player, which is an 
okay late era Dario Argento movie and that she could not do it as she was filming The Heart is Deceitful Above All Things in America at the time, which she starred and directed in, and that Dario was so incensed that they did not speak for, quote, years. Uh, I found that very interesting, Mike. It kind of blew my mind, actually. Um, you know, these these uh, passionate Mediterranean types, you know. Mm. <laughs> Um, yeah, that was that that kind of blew me away that for years they were they had a, a rift as a result of that. Yeah, it was kind of kind of sad to hear that. Um, and it was interesting to note while there was footage of, of Fiore and Dario together in the same room, we actually don't get the footage of Dario and Ozzy together in the same room. It's it's separate interviews. Um, perhaps that was due to scheduling. They're both busy people. Um Dario comes off sometimes a little curmudgeonly in this which i actually found very endearing and cool uh what you know what, what do you think right at the beginning when they were in the car he's like <laughs> yeah you know, can we find a place closer to home like how far are we you know, like... <laughs> they're doing a documentary about you and you don't give a fuck how great is that i mean i mean he gave a fuck but not like a lot a lot like i love yeah. that about him um <laughs> Okay, I think a uh, friend of the show, Mark Yoshitomi, mentioned something to me, and I hope I'm getting this right. Dario spoke in New York a couple of years ago, not that long ago at all. And I believe, Mark, I, I was supposed to go, but I couldn't go, and I, I sold my ticket to this dude on Facebook, okay? And there was a Q&A at the end, and somebody asked like a stupid question, like a dumb question, and I can't remember what the question was. And Dario said, why would you ask me that? <laughs> like something like, why did you ask that? Like something very like you, like it was probably in that moment, very fucking funny. And like, Oh my God. Like, you know, like he was like kind of not having it. Uh, Mark said, so it's pretty great. So like the, the scene where they have uh, the guy, the, the what's in your pocket scene. Yes. Yes. Wow. You know, they, they're from the old, like, from the seventies and then more recently and he has like a phone and the guy asked him the question about like, you know, how do you feel like people can get in touch with you anytime? He's like, Oh no, no, they can't. It's like, I just put it on silent and ignore mm -hmm. everyone calling me. <laughs> um, Two things I wanted more of. Okay. Number one was the interesting thing about his mom. His mom was a very famous, apparently extremely famous photographer of like celebrities in Italy in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Um, and, his, you know, his dad produced all of his movies. His dad was a big movie producer. Uh, his dad produced, like, his first, I don't know, six, seven movies, basically. And it was largely really a family that, affair. Honestly. I didn't really what know that until I watched this, to watch the documentary. Oh, I knew about the dad. That I knew. Um, didn't know too much about the mom. His mom's, you know, a very pretty woman. And that apparently, like... The mom had to had to stop becoming a photographer as as like the family grew and, and and things changed. And she was very not happy about that. And all of the family photos, like she never took a single photo of her own family after the fact. Like they 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 mentioned that. And I thought that was very interesting. Like and Asia said that as well. And I, Dario mentioned that, I believe, too, in one of his in his biography about how his his mother was a photographer who would not photograph her own family, which is kind of, kind of interesting now. Yeah. There's just that emotional 
thing that Italian families, like I know my family can be that way too about some things, you know? Yeah. Uh, Dario's dad, Salvatore produced an ass ton of his movies and was very instrumental in his career. Um, Dario was a privileged kid. I mean, he was born during world war two, you know, uh, his family had money. His, his parents did very well. Um, you know, he started out as, as a film critic, but he was basically surrounded by, you know, like celebrity from a, from a child, at least Italian celebrity. Yeah. And, um, you know, in a way you could say was kind of destined for greatness. Um, and uh, prior to directing for Fla uh, uh, Bird with Crystal Plumage, he was he had not really directed anything ever, actually, which is unbelievable when you watch Bird with Crystal Plumage now. Yeah, definitely. That's, uh, you know, maybe just being exposed to like, you know, mm -hmm. high standards like that probably, you know, gave him like a, you know, like a motivation, I guess, you know. Yeah. Um, and the second thing I wanted more of was, well, Daria Nicolodi. Um, I, I felt like there wasn't much said about her at all, uh, to be honest. And, you know, uh, Asia brought up the, the interesting thing. I also didn't know that there was a strife behind the scenes about Suspiria. Um, she is credited as a co-writer. They, they both have that writing credit and that creation credit, I believe. Uh, but according to Asia, no. That is her mother's story entirely uh, yeah. about the witches. And yep. it's about her great grandmother going to, to a, a boarding school that was ran by witches. Like apparently it is, it is a family story, which I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. It's good. It's prompting me to watch Suspiria again, actually. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm now after watching the documentary, I'm like, man, I need to hit Suspiria and Inferno again. Yeah. And um, just absorb. Cause those are like, those are my two favorite Dario films. For obvious uh, I mean, they're everyone's favorite movies, but there's right, a reason right. why, you know what I mean? Uh, I would urge the listeners uh, and you to to go to the Animal Trilogy again. Um, I did a rewatch of Four Flies on, on Grey Velvet. I managed to score one of those uh, Blu-rays, which I believe are, are gone now uh, from Severin. Man, that's a fucking good movie. It's so good. And uh, it was interesting where his first wife is like, that's me in that movie. That's our relationship. I was like, holy shit. She did look just like uh, that actress, I believe, uh, Mimsy Farmer. I want to get that right. Um, you know, and, and their relationship was falling apart at the time of that movie. So it's like Dario seems to have done that quite a bit. And you know what? I think they say that's the sign of a good writer when 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 you write what you know and you put yourself in the book or the novel, the story, but it's also the sign, I think, of a good director. Uh, he's put his life in a, a good chunk of his movies. Uh, and of course, often unbeknownst to the people uh, that it's about until after the movie is uh, already underway, you know? <laughs> so I thought that was really cool. There's definitely a sense that a lot of his films are very personal, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah. It's also, I want to, <laughs> this is a little uh, irreverent, I guess. Um, Young Dario Argento looks like he could have been one of the Ramones. Yes, he had that haircut. Yes. Dario Ramone. <laughs> um, and was it? Yeah, pretty much, man. He had, he had an interesting look. I mean, I feel like a lot of really creative, eccentric types have their own odd look. You know, they don't, they often don't look like Brad Pitt, Mike. You know, they, they often kind of look like, Dario looks like Dario, you know? 
and it's repeated a bunch in this documentary that Dario is Dario. There is one Dario and he's, you know what I'm saying? And I kind of really un understood what they were getting at with that. Um, but, you know, he, he, he has a charm about him. And I mean, I could see, I mean, Jesus Christ, in the early 70s, mid 70s, women completely being drawn to him in, in Italy, for sure. No? commented on that after his uh his divorce that he had many girlfriends yes he did say that yeah yeah i mean it's just this it's, you know he's a character man i mean and, and i like that uh towards the end of the documentary folks he in 20 2019 or 2020 uh at the at what is basically the italian oscars he gets a lifetime achievement award it's like a director in america getting the lifetime achievement award at the oscars he got it in italy and he was with Asia and they got home and he said, you know, so what? Not a big deal. Who cares? Um, because he said it's not about the rewards. It's about the work. How fucking great is that, Mike? That's a sign of like an artist, really. I mean, you know, you, yeah. any no, no one, none of these people that we respect or look up to really acknowledge mm -hmm. any kind of um, awards or, you know, it's like nice, I guess. But um that's not why they do it. You know what I mean? And, you know, he talks about fear and making this films and, you know, how it's a, a bride that he's seeking afraid mm -hmm. of rejection, like all this, like right. really intense, like, you know, imagery about making films. And it's like, uh, you're like, yeah, this guy is like a driven total creative person, you know? Yeah. I mean, look, that must've been a, a wonderful moment though. I mean, for him, but I think, but ultimately he didn't care. And that's like, you don't hear a lot of artists say that that often. And it was very refreshing that it was to him. It was, it was cool. It was nice, but not a big deal at all. The, the, the work is what matters. The work continues. And he's, you know, he's like Scorsese. He doesn't seem to have a, a retirement plan, you know? Um, he's in his yeah. early seventies now and he's, he's still going. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I hope it doesn't stop actually, you know, and, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, uh, refreshing to, like you're saying, to see that, you know? Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, he definitely reminds me of, of Scorsese with the work ethic and the do whatever I want kind of about him. You know, uh, I would say Scorsese might be a bit of a friendlier man. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I kind of like that he doesn't suffer fools and that he is, he doesn't like crowds. Like he doesn't, you know what I'm saying? Like he, he likes what he likes and he's kind of, you know, set in his ways. And I, I think dark glasses, look, we reviewed it on the show. We both enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, was it deep red? No, but it was, a, it was a solid horror film and it was, it was miles better than the two or three before it. And I thought it was really cool that he could turn a movie out like that now, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, I, you know, we enjoyed that. You know? you know, for any guys out there who who are listening to this, you know, we've been going pretty hard with Argento the last few episodes, and you are um, a Shudder subscriber. There's uh, several of his films are on Shudder right now. So definitely, um, you know, oh, yeah. this documentary and then rip through the other Dario movies. And uh, you know, and get back to us. Let us know. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, 
Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the hell out of this. And I, I hope that it, it reaches, you know, new fans. And I, I hope his his diehard fans check it out. You know, um, it's it's been reviewed in The New York Times. It's been reviewed on Roger Ebert. It's it's getting a lot of press, Mike. Isn't that cool? And it does. It feels like Dario Argento. There's like he's like you're saying earlier, he's not a, he's not forgotten. He's very much in, in the in the consciousness of people these days. Yeah, mm, absolutely. Um, which makes me wonder if if anything else look, we had the Suspiria remake. Suspiria remake is not a terrible movie by any means, okay? It's just that it's it was I think it was hard for certain big Dario fans to really digest and ingest and cuddle up to. Whereas I found certain less, you know, Dario diehards enjoyed the hell out of it. Um I want to see it again. I have not seen it since I saw it in the theater. I'd like to see it again. Um, I did not hate it. Uh, but I, I feel like I need a fresh viewing of it to give it yet another kind of take. You know, we did review it on the show a long time ago. Did we not, Mike? Like, not, like wanting to not like it, you know, going into right. it, into it with an attitude, you know. But um, mm -hmm. I think that if I watched it again i might have a different opinion about it because i i do catch myself thinking about that movie here and there yes uh but what i was getting at was how since dario is is, is really kind of in in the the zeitgeist i feel like uh in america right now and in horror is that do you foresee another one of his his bangers getting remade perhaps do i see that or do i want that uh you see it? it's you like see it? an American, like, you know, an American film, basically. Or, you know, or maybe not, or Suspiria remake was not necessarily a, quote, American film, but a modern uh, a modern remake of, of one of his bangers. You know, I don't think it's out of the question, especially since there seems to be a lot of attention on, on Argento these days. And, um, right. you know, however, do I think, it, dep it would depend whether or not I want that to happen or not, would depend yeah. on who, who made the, who did the remake. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Look, movies like Deep Red and, and, and Tenebrae, say those two in particular, right? They're fairly cut and dry and updating them in a modern setting, right? I, it, I mean, I don't know. It, it wouldn't be so out, out of outlandish, you know? Um, to me, I, I kind of felt that the Suspiria remake drew heaps of new eyes and new attention on the maestro. And ultimately, it was a good thing. Even if you didn't like the movie or if the movie wasn't even that good, it just, it elevated Dario. And if Dario could get some more elevation, then I think that's a good thing. So that's kind of what I'm getting at. I'm going to get wild for a second here. And this is very unlikely to ever happen. But I would love to see Abel Ferrara remake <laughs> Tenebrae. Mm, wow. That would, I mean, look, Tenebrae gets pretty harsh. He would make Tenebrae harsher. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, like I can I can visualize what a film like that would be like. Yeah, look, Tenebrae has layers to it. Deep Red has even more layers to it. And I think, I don't know. I I, I see. Uh, it, it's a great story. Um, I mean. I know people who've seen it and were like, you know, I really didn't think that was the killer. And you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't know what was going to, how it was going to end or whatnot, you know? Um, 
and, and the same for Tenebrae. They both have those really cool endings. Tenebrae's ending to me is one of the greatest fucking thriller, giallo, whatever endings ever. Uh, when you know, uh, but um, the thing is, again, it, it all depends on the director. It depends on if they, it's going to be a shot for shot. Is it going to be completely retooled? Is it going to be whatever? But again, I just think I'm okay with it, if only to elevate. And, you know, put more eyes on Dario. Although some horror fans right now might be angry because they're like, does he need more elevation? Does he need more eyes? You know, I mean, don't we know who he is at this point? <laughs> yeah, two cents. Yeah. So as far as what kind of what kind of grade do you give this one, Mike? Well, uh, I am giving this a 4.5 out of 5. Uh, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Uh, I didn't give it a five because I, I wanted a little more, actually. Um, it's not even all that long. Uh, you know, it's about 90 something minutes. Um, in a way, it's kind of perfect for like the newer fan. Uh, it left me wanting more. Um, so, yes, 4.5 out of five. I give it a 4.5 too, Mike. And and for <laughs> similar reasons, similar reasons. I, I actually, you know, there's there's so much material in his catalog that a, a multi-part miniseries docu-series about Dario Argento I think is in order 100% and I wonder what was left out you know yeah. uh, that's interesting and on, honestly I think Daria Nicolodi needs a, a a fucking doc of her own straight up I'm sorry you know uh, she was a very interesting woman with a great career and probably had a great story to tell. She died of cancer a few years ago. I remember meeting her at Chiller, and it was like one of like one of my Chiller highlights was getting to meet her and getting her autograph. And I asked her a bit about Asia, and I, I'll never forget that moment of my, of my you know horror fandom. Um, yes, I think she needs a bit of a spotlight on her life, and and I almost feel like Asia would be the one to maybe make that happen. Um, and uh, yeah, and it also it would be nice to have Asia do the convention circuit. She doesn't really do that. I've said that many times before, but uh, maybe one day, who knows? Um, that that yeah. would be cool if she if she led a uh, documentary, Asia Argento. Yeah, about her mom. Uh, that would be really cool. Yeah, yeah I would be cool. I would be really behind that. Totally, totally. So yeah, that is Dario Argento Panico, as we said, streaming exclusively on shutter and it's our first uh is it our first new movie of the year mike yeah yeah i think so <laughs> I think, yes. when when did uh maybe let me look was um leave the world behind is that a new is that 2024 uh, no, that's that's like october november of 23 uh all right november, yeah so this, this is november. our first new movie of the year yeah yes okay. it is and listeners, don't worry. It will not be the last. <laughs> uh, we like the kind of, you know, wintertime slow rollout. Uh, we will be covering new films. Don't don't you worry. But uh, we're having a great time, uh, you know, doing the Dario deep dive. And we hope you guys are enjoying it. We're going to get into some Fulci stuff soon. And uh, yeah, Mike, what do you think? Yeah, well, a, lot, a lot of new films haven't really hit yet. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. Like that's, uh, you know, that that's, um, you know, I'm actually going to see a new movie this weekend because you know Ooh, I'm not going to be home for Valentine's Day. Uh huh. So uh, we're having a Valentine's Day celebration this weekend, and we're going to go see uh, Tina Frankenstein. 
Oh, very cool. I heard about that. Yeah. So, um, so that, that's the plan. Awesome. Uh, listeners, we hope you have a great Valentine's day, right, Mike? Yeah. For all you lovers out there. For all you uh, lovers, happy Valentine's. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Uh, again, send us, uh, your, your, your DMS on Instagram, leave us a voicemail, uh, check out the other horsemen and we will see you next time. Care, everyone. Talk to you soon.